The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. Indeed, welcome along. This is episode 172 of The Boys of Tech, which is currently New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm coming to you live here in Wellington and also in Wellington, but over Skype is Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hello. And how are you this week? Uh, Not too bad. Brett, it's the first Monday following Microsoft's demo of the Surface. Wow, yeah. But did you see it crashed? Did you you see that? He was going like, yes, and I can launch an Internet Explorer. And he's obviously realized it's it's frozen. And he's like pushing that home button really hard with his thumb. And he's pushing it again. And he's going, and it does all these wonderful things. Push, push, push. Please restart. Push, push. And he's running out of ideas, (laughs) eh? He's rapidly running out of ideas of what to say. You can use it for entertainment. Push the blimmin' button. Please restart. You can see it written all over his face. And in the end, he goes, uh, just a second. And he runs over, races over to the table thing, and he grabs another one that was prepared earlier, the backup one. And he continues from there. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of in line with the Windows 98 crash that Bill Gates was, you know, the famous video of, of Windows 98 blue screening. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it had to happen to Microsoft, really. I mean, come on. Oh, isn't that so unfortunate? But look, the tablet, uh, sorry, the Surf, I should say the Surface, it is a tablet. The Surface tablet, what do you think? Basically an iPad with, uh, or something, something that looks like an iPad with a soft, flat, thin rubber keyboard that folds as a well, as, as a case, you know, like very similar to the iPad cases. What do you think? Uh, well, very similar to some iPad cases, yeah. Um, I think it's nice. I think it's pretty good. And it's going to be, well, they'll have low low power versions, which will offer you more capability than an iPad. And then they'll have versions which are pretty much just a really thin laptop. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There are two versions. There's the ARM and the Intel processor uh, versions. One's thicker, one's thinner, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, in fact, the thin one, the, the one that runs on ARM, is is basically the the same thickness or thinness, if you like, perhaps, is more appropriate, as the iPad. It's uh, just under nine and a half millimeters thick. Mm-hmm. The other one, of course, is is touted as a fully functional desktop computer. So, well, as a, like a laptop. So we're, yeah. not, we're talking... A fully functional laptop computer. That's right. In so, a thin form factor. Exactly. exactly. That is designed to be used using the um, Metro Touch interface. So Yeah. And, and look, you know what? I must admit, I think Microsoft have got something very, very good. And I say this because mm. you know, the one thing that's lacking on the on the iPads and the the other iPad like tablets is that they're not they're basically a light OS, so like iOS uh, or Android 
We don't precisely. They are not a productivity device. No, they are a media consumption device. All of those tablets out there, well, a lot of the Android tablets that are coming out now are trying to be more than just a media consumption device, but. Pretty much, they're just media consumption devices. They've got horrible, atrocious attempts to be productivity devices with some of the apps out there, including Apple's own apps, their iOS version of iWorks, which are really, they're not productivity apps. They're, I'm going to make a note or whatever. And even then, they're not even good for that because there are better apps out there for doing that sort of note-taking. So (laughs) they're not productivity devices. They don't have the power or the capabilities of productivity devices. A productivity device allows you to create and consume documents. You can't do that mobilely with an iPad and other tablets, which I mean you must sync to a third-party device or to another computer or to the cloud before you can get anything onto and off of it. A proper productivity device allows you to connect other things to it to put things on and off, as well as being able to manipulate files in multiple applications on it. It's, yeah, it's not a media consumption device. You know, there are two things I think they've done very, very well here. The first is the fa- is the keyboard. It's an ultra-thin, effectively built into a, a flip-over case type yep. keyboard. It's yep. beautiful. Rubberized. It, it's yep. it's um, tactile. It's, yeah, I think it's... It's pretty good. You've been able to get rubberized, um, thin rubber keyboards for ages. It's just uh, this is one that they've they've built specifically as part of the the cover of their new tablet devices. You know what? One of the comments was one of the comments was that if they made these cases for the iPad, they would have sold a ton of them. <laughs> they probably would have too. The other thing they've got right, Brett, is that they are making the hardware. And the software. And do you know what? I've said this for a long time now. I've said one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons for Apple's success is they make both and the two work very well together. And I also said, I have been saying for a long time, why don't Microsoft make computers? And when I say computers, I mean either... Actually delving into the hardware themselves. That's right. Whatever the hardware is, phones, tablets, laptops, or desktops. Why don't they? Now they do. One of the powers of... Microsoft is the fact that they don't develop their hardware as well as their software. They develop their software so that it will work with whatever you want it to work with. Yeah, but it never works as well. And this is my point. So well, you, no, you it can work as well. It's it's with anything which has professional quality interactions or settings or capabilities. If you set it up poorly, it will work poorly. If you set it up correctly, it will work perfectly it's just that most people when they get machines like this they haven't been set up properly i don't know i'm not so convinced about that to be quite honest i'll tell you what brett they are making the hardware now this is a very interesting why are they doing this i, I think they've realized that there's an advantage i think they've realized that there's an advantage for having the microsoft brand the windows brand being on the device itself not just on the you think that's just about the the badge? Yeah, yeah. I think it's about the badge. And the fact that it means that they can, they have designed the operating system and they've designed it in a specific way by producing their own device for it. They can produce the device for the way they've designed the operating system. But that's exactly gives, what I was saying. Well, yeah, but it, 
unlike Apple, they won't lock other people out from being able to create exactly, you know, competitive devices along the same lines. Well, you know what? Because what Microsoft they- is doing here is they're showcasing the hardware type that works perfectly with the operating system that they've built. So other manufacturers will be able to see that and then you will get more devices of the same, you know, of a similar type out there and hopefully massively increase the uptake of this new Windows. Well, they are in a rather interesting position right now because they're not only licensing their software to other manufacturers, they're also now competing head-on, at least with the those that are, you know, looking at tablets, tablet device, or mm-hmm. any, any mobile device for that matter. So it puts them in a very interesting position. Microsoft haven't commented on, on that, by the way. They, they were asked what, you know, how they see that affecting their relationship with other manufacturers that they currently have relationships with. Uh, they haven't uh, chosen to comment on that. I don't think it will be a negative impact at all. I think it will, can only be a positive impact because they still license their software for use for other manufacturers and other manufacturers can build devices that utilize their their operating system. They have, by building this device, they have shown what works really well with their new operating system so that the man hardware manufacturers out there don't have to kind of make stabs in the dark. They can see what, you know, what hardware, what style, what interface design this was made for. And then they can replicate and build upon that. I like the way that for a while Microsoft were, well, we were left wondering, what are they doing in this space? Where are, you know, we haven't heard a peep from them. And then they step out and they step out with something absolutely fantastic. And this is good. This is good for them. They, they have made, been they made the slow right to move, get right? into that sort of that low end media consumption devices, producing something that's com- you know comparable to an iPad or another an Android tablet device. But they really hit the nail on the head when they developed their Metro interface for their Windows Phone Seven, and by continuing that across and having this light version of Windows, you know, their Windows RT that they're talking about for those low end tablet devices, those media consumption devices that has that Metro interface and following that Metro interface along into their professional version operating system, the actual Windows 8 operating system. They've kind of, they're bridging that gap, but they're bridging that gap in a a really, a really neat way. They're not diminishing the capability of either device. That's the, that's the cool part. And well, that's where I would like to see the future of these sorts of devices and of computing going, where there is that there's an, an integration or like that or a consistency of interaction, but a consistency of interaction that doesn't diminish the usefulness of the device that you've actually purchased. If you purchase a, a full power laptop, you want to do full power laptop capability with it. If you purchase a low-end media consumption device, tablet, then you want that to work in a similar interaction way. Well, you know, Whereas you know, they, when we were talking about Apple's roadmap, when we were talking to that developer of that software you were talking about a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, I saw the opposite way that Apple is trying to merge those two. So Apple's trying to merge the two, but diminishing the merging instead of fostering growth in the merging. They want to take away capabilities from your actual 
device instead of adding it, which is what I see Microsoft doing. Microsoft is, in the way that they're pushing it, they're, they're adding functionality. They're adding interaction capability yeah, Microsoft, to the device. You're right. Microsoft have said that this is a device that can act as a tablet but doesn't diminish its usefulness as a tablet. As well as that, it's a laptop but doesn't diminish its usefulness as a laptop. And I think there is an element of truth to what they're saying. I must say, though, I think they're pushing the envelope a little bit. Like, for example, is there a line in, a line out, a microphone in? I don't think so. Is there Firewire? I don't think so. I wouldn't say they're totally wrong, but they are pushing the envelope a little on that. Mm. Well, one thing that it does sport, which has been a want for so long on tablet devices, is even their low-end Surface tablet is going to have USB. Yes, USB. It's going to have a USB port. You're going to be able to plug in your thumb drive, plug in your external drive, plug in the multitude of USB adapters for other things. Well, that's if we have drive. Well, I guess you will because it's Windows. Exactly. It's Windows. That's the point. It's not diminishing its capability. It's not diminishing the ability to create a device like there are many USB adapters for many different kinds of devices or, or connections. And this is not going to diminish the ability to have an adapter to plug into that USB to expand the capability of that tablet, that tablet form factor into being able to use it fully and functionally. Whereas Apple, I think, has, by not allowing that interaction, by by compartmentalizing it and locking it down so much, they are limiting the capability of the device. And it'll be interesting to see if it becomes to their detriment. You know, mm. it's no secret that I love Apple products. No, it, it's no it, secret it, it, at it, all. Yeah. You, you have your <laughs> fanboy, you've got your, your Apple T-shirt. No, I'm well, sure somewhere on your body there is an Apple tattoo. Oh, look, come on. I come don't want to know <laughs> where, but I'm sure there is. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, now you're taking it to, to, to the nth degree. No, but look, you know, <laughs> what I was going to say was it's no secret I love Apple products. I buy Apple products because I like the way they work. I like the way they feel. But I must say, if I was in the market for a tablet, I would seriously, and I don't say this lightly, I would seriously have to weigh up the iPad against the Surface device. Oh, it's a hand-down win for the Surface device. Because if you go for the Surface device, which is an actual laptop-level hardware inside it, then you're winning on both fronts. You're getting an actual laptop that is also tablet-capable. Yeah, now be careful, though, because one thing that hasn't been announced yet is pricing. It'll be interesting to see where pricing fits. Will it be priced in the sort of low-end tablet I would say price that range or the low-end versions, Their ARM versions running the, with Windows RT, they will be priced competitively with the iPad. And the laptop ones would probably be priced competitively with the well, those really thin Toshiba laptops you can get because it is a really thin laptop if they've proper Intel hardware inside it. Either way, it'll be cheaper than a MacBook Air. <laughs> yeah, which is, I think, is that thinner? Hmm? Is MacBook it? Air, I have no idea. I'm not sure how thin they are. They are pretty thin and they are pretty light. I'll just have a quick look. But then your MacBook Air is, is going to just be a an iPad with a, keyboard on it. We'll have to see on that. You know, the MacBook Air, I just had a quick look, is the average uh, width is thinner, but at the thickest e- uh, end, it's slightly thicker than the, um, than the ah, Microsoft. So consistency-wise, the, 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 the surface might be overall. What about weight-wise? Well, the 
because it's at the eleven inch MacBook Air. Grams. Yep. So eleven inch MacBook Air is one point oh eight kilos, so it's a smidgen more. Yep. So it's heavier. Slightly heavier. Overall, it's thinner though. Uh, but the, as I say, because it's a wedge shape, the mm-hmm. the last bit of the wedge is a smidgen thicker. Microsoft have done well. Good move, Microsoft. I you know yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm this is a great move. To it. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a a brilliant device. And Metro, Metro, the Metro interface is absolutely brilliant. I love the Metro interface. I've heard mixed reports on it. I I think it's great, but I know a lot of Windows people, a lot of Windows fanboys. That have told me that they just don't can't stand it and they they're refusing to, well, to move. Yeah, when you've got to think of it in the the metro interface is that brilliant touch interface. That's what it's for. It is a touch dedicated interface. A lot of the negative criticism of the metro interface, as far as Windows Eight is concerned, is the fact that it's because it is a touch interface. It's Odd to interact with using a mouse and a keyboard. So it doesn't lend itself well to desktop so, the desktop no, environment. It, mm. But then once again, it's just a layer sitting on top of an actual Windows substrate underneath it. It's just learning the new way around getting into that actual Windows substrate. And the difference between your Metro apps, which are just like your your phone apps and actual programs installed on your computer running in the Windows substrate. Well, okay, that's that's it on the surface. I think we'll we'll leave it there for that. I, I must admit, I'm excited. I really am, and I'll be mm. honest about that. I it, to, yeah, me, to, to be perfectly honest, I'm kind of hoping Apple will uh, put them at the post and, and get something out in the same way they. Who knows? They might have already been working on something. As you know, Apple don't give pre-release information. Microsoft do. Obviously, they're doing this now. It's not released yet. I'm secretly mm-hmm. hoping that Apple are working on exactly the same thing and bring it out. Oh first. God, we've been we've been secretly hoping that an iPad that was actually capable as a productivity device would be coming out for years. Oh, now, now. <laughs> anyway, like we'll that's what that. we thought the first iPad would be, oh. but instead it was a instead it was creating a tablet and then creating a niche for it. Well, to look, and you can't you can't deny that's what they did with the iPad. They created yeah, yeah, but the this niche. Goes, yeah, but this, I agree, but this goes back to a conversation that we had a number of episodes ago, and that is that sure they've created a niche for themselves, but a niche isn't a niche unless there's a a, a need and or a, at least a want, if anything. So people yes, aren't people. More a want than, my point more is, want people than. aren't thumbing their noses at Apple saying well, we don't need this, we're not buying it. It's, they're like. Yeah, I can see why I would want to use one of these or where I could use one of these. So I think that's valid. The fact that they've created a, a niche is irrelevant. <laughs> the fact that they've created a niche that remains a niche, that remains mm-hmm. a, you know, a valid market section, I think that's valid. But you're right on your comment that you know a, a more functional iPad would be good. Let's leave the story there and talk about something else related to Apple, actually. How much would it cost to buy one of the original Apple One computers? I would say about the same price as it originally cost, inflation adjusted. Actually, a couple be- hundred grand. <laughs> well, actually, yes. Uh, well, well, at a recent auction, one sold for two hundred and forty-one thousand pounds. How's that? Wow. Yeah. Now, there's only two hundred were ever made. They used to. They were retailing at uh, six hundred and sixty-six US dollars and sixty-six cents which is £426. Without, and what with, is that in inflation-adjusted dollars? 
Well, you know what? We should do that calculation. Why don't I do that right now? Is it about 240 grand? I can't see it going that high, no way. <laughs> I can't It'd see it. It'd be a couple of grand. We're, we're talking 1978 here, which is a little while exactly. ago, but it's not. 1978, $666. That is a huge amount of money in 78. Okay, let's let's do the calculation. Right. In multiple thousands today. All right, Brett, I've done the calculation. If we bought something for six hundred and sixty-six dollars and sixty-six cents in nineteen seventy-eight, today in two thousand and twelve, it is the equivalent of two thousand three hundred and fifty dollars. See, told you. Yeah, a couple of thousand. Yeah, you're right. Two thousand three hundred and fifty dollars today. Now, this thing auctioned for now, and so switching back to U.S. dollars, three hundred and seventy-five thousand U.S. dollars. Wow. Only 200 were ever made, and it's believed that only 50 of them exist right now, and not all of them are working. So this is one of the very few that still works. <laughs> How much could you sell a Mac, an Apple Classic for then? I don't know. Wouldn't be worth that much, that's for sure, but some of them were, was it the, what was the first one? Uh, that, that, that They used to have the uh, signature, was and Jobs' signature inside. Oh. Yeah, uh, just trying to think what the first Mac was. Yeah, after the Lisa, um, whatever it was called, I, I forget now. It wasn't this Apple one. No, no, this is not a Mac. This is pre Mac. Ah. So, so we we go Apple Apple one, Apple two, Lisa, and I think Apple three came along. Somebody that was a flop. Oh, Lisa and, and came then, after the Apple two. I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah, because that was the basically in '83, I believe the the uh, the Lisa Apple two '82, if I remember correctly. Lisa 83, Macintosh 84. That's from memory. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to check, check, <laughs> check Wikipedia, but I believe that's, that's uh, how it goes. Definitely the Lisa came before the, uh, the Macintosh, that's for sure. Don't forget, Woz designed this himself and gave away the schematics. In other words, the, the diagram for you to be able to build it yourself at home. This was part of the uh, Homebrew Computer Club. Mm-hmm. So there's no... Well, I guess there is a copyright, but he was freely giving giving away the, the diagram so you can build one yourself. <laughs> well, at least you could. I don't know if you can get the parts anymore. Interesting. Mm. Who would have thought a, a computer from 1978 would, be, would, would fetch so much right now? Now, the Pirate Bay was blocked in the UK. Well, blocked by a, a whole range of internet service providers in the UK. Mm. And the Pirate Bay are getting around it because you know what they're doing? They're just adding IP addresses, different IP addresses, and the more they get blocked, the more addresses they'll throw in the mix. Wow. You know, who who didn't see this coming? <laughs> I know. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, the politicians who signed that, that signed that bill into law, ah, uh, they didn't it. see this coming. That's because <laughs> they, they don't on. get how, how the internet works. <laughs> it's a series of tubes, isn't it? Exactly. It's a series of tubes. And just like any good series of tubes, if you block one tube, there's a series more of them. <laughs> so it's not too bad an analogy then after all. Indeed. But yeah, so, so they're just adding new IP addresses and they, they said we're committed to throwing in more IP addresses as the new ones uh, you know, get added to the, block, to, to the blacklist. <laughs> surprise, surprise. That was exactly my reaction. Just what you said before about how obvious this was, that was exactly my reaction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it didn't take them long either. No, I know. That, like, yeah, exactly. the, the, the block came in and within minutes the, the block was 
circumventable. Yep. In fact, hasn't it increased the traffic from the UK to Pirate Bay? Well, at least proxy use has increased. And yeah. I don't know if overall traffic to the Pirate Bay has, but certainly they've noticed uh, you know, a whole heap more going through proxies now. Now, I want to talk about some four, just an interesting piece of research on 419 scams. This is the Nigerian scam letters. You know, the ones that arrive in your uh, mailbox. Oh, yeah, I missed them. <laughs> I still get don't the odd get one. don't get them anymore. I still get the odd one. So really, we're, we're talking oh, about. I've obviously fallen off the wrong list. Oh, I, I just get crap spam. Really? How about I forward you some? Would that make you feel better? Oh, that would. That would. <laughs> I'll do that then. I'll send you some after the show. No, so we're, obviously we're talking about the the letters that come in written in capitals, uh, talking about. Some Hi, of- I'm the 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 widow of Mister Mgabi something or other, the Nigerian oil minister who was assassinated. And I would like your assistance to move 20 million US dollars exactly. out of the account. And how do we do that? We just send you 12,000 US dollars to unlock the account, right? To, Indeed. to pay the fees. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love this, that, that somebody's actually studied and gone through the detail of these things and have come up with a a psychological reason for the way that they are written as poorly as they're written. Exactly. Because I always wondered how anybody could fall for it because they were so badly done. (laughs) I know. Now now we discover that, in fact, the badly doneness is part of the psychology of the Nigerian scam letter. Exactly. It is absolutely, it's intentional. Because if you fall for that letter, then they will be able to get you. Well, that's exactly it. You know, I used to think the same thing. How come they are so badly written, outrageous, just crazy, unbelievable situations? Yeah. But it's as you said, Brett, it's intentional. The research suggests that what they're doing is they're weeding out the somewhat intelligent. So the idea is that only the really gullible, that like the, I mean, the really, really, really gullible, will respond, and therefore they get a much better uh, signal to noise ratio. Indeed, they get a much better hook. Yeah. And it means that when they then follow up with their even more outlandish stuff, they're far more likely to succeed. They haven't wasted that first step. And now the other thing that came out of this research, I know I thought this was fascinating, was this. You might think, why don't they just use a more realistic story and more realistic amounts, not like 20 million euros or 20 million US dollars, I don't know, use something like seven or $8,000 or something, wouldn't that be more believable? And therefore, wouldn't you get a much bigger response? Now, the research suggests that, yes, the raw number of responses would be significantly higher, but the income to the scammers would actually be less. So it's more advantageous to get a tiny amount of responses for very large amounts than a large number of responses for a moderate amount. Mm. Interesting, huh? Because I, I used to think exactly the same thing. I, I used to read these and sometimes just for a bit of a laugh and think, "Oh, come on! You know this is not believable. Go for something real, and you'll and you'll you'll get some people." But yeah, yeah. But you, they still wouldn't make as much. It's very, very interesting. I thought there's mm. a, lot, a lot of psychology into it that goes into this. They're not stupid. Put it that way. Now, Steve Wozniak is in the country. He's here to give a, a talk, I believe. Uh, one that I'm not going to, but I, I wish I could. And he's also spent a little bit of time visiting someone south of Auckland who's currently on home detention in a huge mansion. 
Oh, 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 I, I, I know this one. Um, it's Harry. <laughs> Harry who? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, come on, Brett, you do know. It's Kim.com and you knew it too. Ah, oh, of course, Mr.com. <laughs> yeah, so he's getting a visit by Woz. Yeah. There's, there's a photo, they tweeted a photo as well. of, of I, the two. I had not realised that Kim was actually that tall. He is. He, Until I saw him he's standing two, next to Woz. He's over two metres. Woz looks tiny compared to Kim. Well, you know what? Woz, what, to be fair, Woz isn't that tall either, and Kim's over two metres. So so together, there's at least a head height between, between them. Yeah, he, he, you're right. Woz does look quite, kind of dwarfed compared to, to Kim. But anyway, he's, he's there. One of the things that Woz would really like to do is to help users who had legitimate files on megaupload.com get those files back. I know. It is absolutely atrocious. There were millions of users on that site, weren't there? And a lot of them would have been legitimate. I would have said the majority, probably, looking at the figures that have come up in the different stories and the figures that uh, were quoted in that story about that. The US judge who says that they should get it back... (laughs) A lot of small to medium businesses were impacted by the takedown of Mega Upload because they used that as their as their cloud storage because it was cheap. Yep, uh, it was indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it's hurt a lot of legitimate users and has done diddly squat for the online piracy, the transfer of online files. I also heard that the extradition case could actually take a number of years. And meanwhile, here's, this, this probably should be in the New Zealand section, but meanwhile, the New Zealand taxpayer is actually footing the bill for this. Because really? Yes. Isn't it? Haven't we allowed him? Well, we're footing the bill for the court case, but haven't we allowed Kim parts of his own money back so that he can live? Oh, yeah. Sorry, we're not paying Kim.com. No, correct. But for, for the case to drag on and you know, to drag out. We're paying, yeah, yeah. we're paying for the case. We're paying for the case, yeah. and would, and whichever way it turns out, are we going to be re? Are we the New Zealand taxpayers going to be reimbursed by the U.S. government? Well, it doesn't work like that, does it? No, no. And that's having said that. To be fair, it is a two-way street. When if if and when New Zealand initiates an extradition case in the U.S. to bring someone over, and the extradition case is heard before the courts in the U.S. They pay for that. The the US taxpayer pays for that. And that's how yeah, it works but, for But when we do that sort of thing, wouldn't we ask for somebody a little less well, somebody a little more obvious that we want? It's like we're not going after somebody because of some civil case or civil civil thing. We go after them because they've they've killed somebody or you know Yeah, yeah or they've trafficked drugs or yeah, exactly. sm- smuggled people. <laughs> Yes, I know. Well, that's we, a whole, that's a whole other conversation. But yes, I know, I know what you're saying. Tell Something you what, that's going to be a little a little quicker through the courts. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what, Brett, uh, this is probably better in the New Zealand section. And I'll tell you what, we've pretty much covered the international story. So how about we take a break right here? We'll come back right after this for a few New Zealand stories. Don't go away. Welcome back. Now, Brett, New Zealand Post is to launch a digital mail service. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't until I read the story. Well, we did cover, I think, uh, was it last year or the year before, we covered a story about New Zealand Post trialling something like this via a a third-party provider, Zumbo. 
or Zumbo. I'm not sure if it's Zumbo or Zumbo. It's spelled Z-U-M-B-O. And New Zealand Post trialled it. They're going ahead now. They're forging ahead with their own solution, which is not based on Zumbo. But it's pretty much believed to be the same service that you might remember. I think the world first was actually Swiss Post. Ah, yeah. yeah. We covered that on the show as well uh, about two or three years ago mm-hmm. about Swiss Post offering the service. So we're talking about receiving physical mail electronically. So physical mail gets sent to a, you know, to a scanning service, if you like, and it turns up yeah. in your mailbox electronically. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this whole digital mail thing? I think it's pretty good. I think a lot of people check their email more than they check the stuff that comes through the letterbox. Probably because most of the stuff that comes through the letterbox is bills. But anyway, it's another one of those things where it's uh, people are comfortable receiving things via you know via email. They you use it almost every day for work. What most people do. So getting your physical mail sent to that same thing or it's a it's a comfort it's a convenience you can check it while you're checking your email you don't have to divert extra time you don't have the wasted paper that you have to then sort out for recycling or shredding or whatever now, now one of the comments i made on the show when we covered new zealand post's first venture into this using zumbo was that unlike swiss post new zealand post was using a third party and the one reservation I would have with this privacy. is, yeah, exactly, is th- you know the privacy issues. You get that with uh, anything uh, around third party, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing with the third party. We did discuss. Uh, it's coming back to me. Oh, the good. previous story. We <laughs> yeah, we did discuss the privacy. Yeah, we did. Thing, I think I, I also almost certainly expressed reservations about having a third party reading. Uh, your from memory, I think you did. And the Swiss, <laughs> for example, the Swiss Post solution is their own. It's their technology. Yeah, it's yeah. all. It's kept yeah. in-house. And in fact, and that was part of the marketing for it. They actually said- Isn't that what this is saying for this one? Is well, uh, this is the thing. I'm not entirely sure. It's We need a bit of clarification on this because what happened was a while ago, New Zealand Post trialled three platforms. One of them was Zumbo. They've decided not to go ahead with that. The one they're going ahead with is one of the two others, but they won't name which of the two others. So the bit that's confusing is is that it suggests that there is a third party involved here, but at the same time, New Zealand Post talk about, you know, developing the IP themselves. So I'm not entirely sure quite how this works. Well, it's possible that they're going for a different technology, a different technological solution, but they will be putting it in place themselves. In-house. Yeah, that's what I yeah. wondered, actually. It could be that they're bringing in the technology, but the, as you said, the technology is remaining in, you know, within New Zealand yeah, Post the, premises. Yeah, the actual handling of the, the, the physical posts and the electronic conversion will be handled by New Zealand Post staff. And possibly the distribution as well by, um, by NZ yeah. Post technology, well, technology at NZ Post. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the best way to do it. That would give people peace of mind. Yeah, exactly, and that's the way Swiss Post did it. They everything's done by them, and they, in fact, they, as I said before, they that's the way they marketed it. They said, you know, they they stated that everything happens at Swiss Post. And if this, mm. and for me, the biggest thing when they were t- when they talked about Zumbo, which was you know the third party solution that they partnered with New Zealand Post to trial, mm-hmm. was that yeah, I, I don't know, I don't really want a third unknown party having it's the possibility that, of looking at my mail. Indeed. And yet so many people trust their digital files to anonymous third-party cloud solutions. 
odd that, isn't it? It is. It how is really. how we, we, put, we put these different the sorts of things on different things. And you've got to wonder which one is actually more important. Your business IP that you're trusting to a third party storage solution or the mail from your grandmother. <laughs> Having said that, you might get, uh, uh, you know, you might get mail relating to business IP. Oh, you know, definitely. But, definitely. But I take what you're you saying. Want to have that, yeah. that you want to trust where you're, where you're giving it or have better security solutions in place. You can't exactly PGP physical mail. I know. No, I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The second New Zealand story I want to talk about was Fairfax recently announced that in Australia, they will be erecting a, a, a paywall. Ah, like they've got in the US and the UK. Yes. However, yeah. what they're doing is that the, the Australasian branch is going to trial it in Australia, but not in New Zealand. They're, they're deliberately going to keep New Zealand unpaywalled. One of the reasons that Fairfax is probably not doing that here yet is they're kind of waiting for for the NZ Herald, which is, I think, APN, uh, to do the same thing. So when APN erects their paywall, then Fairfax will as well. There's no point Fairfax erecting a paywall here whilst APN doesn't because they, they both have about 50% of the market. Yeah, uh, it would, and just all be, they will be doing is degrading their market share. Yeah, exactly. So they kind of want to almost you know, communicate with each other and agree to do it at the same time, which is probably against the, the, the laws. Oh, yeah, they could not do that. that no, no, but... definitely, there are laws against that anti-competitive behaviour. That's right, but that's not to say it won't happen. See, the best way to do it would be to have a couple of, you know, for one of them to have an executive who they, they don't mind being the scapegoat have a meeting with the other company and say, yes, at this date, we're going to erect our paywall. And then so that one of them erects a paywall and the other one doesn't. So the other one reaps all of the benefit as all the people flock to that person, to that other company. Yeah, that would be... And increases their market share and increases their revenue source. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Although having said that, See, that's when, when they realise they've been... That's proper competitive <laughs> Yeah, but, but as there. soon as they realise they've been scammed, they'll turn the paywall off again. I know, but it, all it means is that with that, we could be in a situation where we don't get a paywall. We yeah, don't get the ridiculousness of a paywall. Yeah, but the thing also you have to remember is both Fairfax and APN, they both realise that it's better for them if they both have paywalls because that's pretty much 99% of New Zealand's market. The rest is pretty much 1%. We're talking Which about second-tier sites like scoop.co.nz and other independents. They're not as widely read. And I, to be honest, they're, there's nothing – they're great Who's sites. Who's to say they won't but, become more nah, widely read? Well, th- I don't know. I'm, they don't really have the level of journalism of, of the other sites. And I think that's one of the advantages that the, of the big publishers have. They have – I won't say outstanding, but they've got good – journalism <laughs> all it means is that i'll go back to having to read the newspaper at the cafe where where i don't have to buy a newspaper instead of reading it online well that probably won't bother them because at least someone's paying for that newspaper even if it's not you <laughs> not necessarily well they could be getting a lot of free, places yeah. have those newspapers that get stacked off yeah, themselves and then yeah that's true some of them get do get up yeah. at the end of the day if they haven't been sold yeah, that's right. Some of them do get uh, donated. You're right. All right, Brett, that is the show. That is episode 172 of New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. 
Wow. Oh, look at the Microsoft Surface, Brett. I'm excited. Woo! I, I'm also quite excited about the Microsoft Surface. It's, it's got the potential to be what a tablet device should be. I, am, I must admit, I am surprised that it's come from Microsoft. And I say this because I thought the biggest threat to Apple in the post-PC era would be either Samsung or Google. I really did. <laughs> well, I, I you've thought, got and, to put and, those and, two together, really, because Google is just doing the, the software and Samsung is doing the, the best hardware to run Google Android. Well, I could see Google, yeah, you're at the moment, I could also see the possibility of Google making hardware or, uh, or I, Samsung coming I, up with some... I would say it would probably be the same deal as when they did their phone, the Google Nexus or whatever. It will actually be, it'll be Google branded and made by HTC or Samsung. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I, didn't, way. <laughs> I, I didn't think that Microsoft would pose a serious threat to the, uh, t- you know, to the mobile devices I, by Apple. I had an inkling because of what they were doing and the direction they were going with Windows 8. It just screamed own hardware. Or at least uh, yeah. the direction of hardware for it would be that way. Well, I can see it now. I can see it now retrospectively. But, you know, I'll be honest, at the time, I, 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 I just I, didn't see it coming. I didn't think Microsoft would would brand it themselves, the hardware. But the what they've done with their hardware is what I kind of thought they would be doing based on what they were doing with Windows 8. But I didn't think they would be branding it themselves, producing they, it themselves. Yeah, they talk about the new Microsoft. This really is the new Microsoft, right? This is not the old beige box Microsoft anymore. No, no. This really is the new Microsoft. Yeah. Anyway, that is the show. That was episode 172. Let's leave it there. Brett, I want to thank you very much for co-hosting the show with me. Always a pleasure, Ed. And we'll do it again next week? Yes, indeed. Good stuff. All right. As take long you- as there's something good to talk about. <laughs> well, Otherwise, we will... You have to find something weird to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll go off on some crazy tangents again. That's what we'll do. <laughs> That's what we do when it's a slow, slow news week, don't we? Indeed. Or we could go in-depth into, you know, the, the Dutch ruling that Apple infringed on Samsung's copyrights. Oh, yeah, I saw that story. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm too, I'll be honest with you, Brent. I'm getting bored of these. I really am. I'm getting bored of these Apple sues, Samsung, Samsung sues Apple. I, it, I don't know. I'll have to go back over the shows and see whether or not we're just we're only talking about it when it's Apple that looks like they're winning. Oh, come on. And, and, and we then you, don't talk about it when it when it switches and we discover that it's Apple that oh, was doing the dirty. Fred, come on. And not at all. Not at all. There's been, there's been a bunch gone the other way that I've ignored as well because, look, I'll be honest, it gets boring. It really does. And, yeah, it does. Unless there's anything. There's not a lot going on in the tech world other than people suing each other over different patents well, for phones and tablets. I know, it seems to be the thing to do these days, doesn't it? Indeed. It's like, well, I'm sorry, I don't think you're allowed to innovate because I've already innovated as much as possible and I've patented every possible innovation. Well, you know, Brett, there is one industry doing very well out of this, and that's the legal industry. Yeah, and it's not like they already didn't have tons of ways to earn money. (laughs) Maybe we're in the wrong industry. Anyway, Brett, that is episode 172. (laughs) Thank you very much. Talk to you again next week, and thank you, everyone, for listening. See you again next week. Take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
I think it's another one of those things where it's the, and I've just lost the word, the ease of use, the laziness. We're lazy now. We're lazy, and so we want to check it on our email. Complacency. Well, we're already checking email. Complacency. No. No? No, it's, it's a much more nice word. Complacency uh, has negative connotations to it. Uh, oh, goodness me. You're always forgetting words on the show. But it is a C word. <laughs> I know a C word, but it's not a very good one. <laughs> Four letter starts with C. <laughs> Are you sure it's not complacent? No. Because that starts with C. I know it starts with C. So does cat, but it's also not the word. Conceited? No. (laughs) Come on, put a positive spin on it and find the word. It's a positive word. Brett, if if we get through this, this is going into the bloopers. Uh, Comfortable. Oh, comfortable. Oh, comfortable. Yes. Is that the word you... You forgot the word comfortable. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. Tell me it's not true. <laughs> uh, okay, we got there. We got there in the end. Comfortable. All right, let's... Exactly. Now, what was I saying? I don't know, with? but you can say your piece again when it comes to mind. Yeah, it'll take us another half hour to find... What, to remember what you, what you were saying. 